and welcome to the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti, joined by my co-host Aaron Varola. Hey, what's going on, folks? Welcome to episode 68 of the Fanboy Garage. Um, hope you guys are all doing well today. We've got an awesome pack show with a guest, a special guest um, who you've heard once before. So we're excited to bring that person on and that person is ryan haas of the batman on film podcast so uh we'll bring him on to talk a little bit of star wars um and to get into some of the batman casting uh which dropped last week regarding the riddler but uh before we do that let's uh let's let's share some exciting news chris yeah so uh, this episode of the fanboy garage is sponsored by della Pelli supernaturals so you know aaron um the holiday season is quickly approaching right and Super geeks like us, we could be hard to shop for sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. So you got to get creative. So if you're a Batman fan who's also an eczema sufferer or somebody that just cannot get enough Batman stuff around the house, you have <laughs> to check out these amazing 100% organic Bat Symbol soap bars made by Della Pelli Supernaturals. Each bar is handcrafted with 100% organic ingredients, and it makes the perfect gift for a super fan or anyone who just wants a supernatural complexion. So check out Della Pelli Supernaturals and mention the Fanboy Garage to get a free gift with purchase of Batman Symbol Soap while supplies last. Available on Etsy at DP Supernaturals and on Instagram at SupernaturalNJP, where you can take a look at the full line of organic personal care products and gifts for geeks and the people who love them. I'd love to stay clean. Say that I, I get my Bruce Wayne on with yeah, Batman soap. That is, yeah. And we'll tweet out a a picture of these um, Batman soap bars too for everybody for reference. Um, they're pretty cool, actually. I plan That's on getting, pretty sweet. getting a whole bunch. Yeah. And do they have any other uh, molds or things like that? They do. Batman? I mean, they. I know they have a Wu Tang Clan symbol. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Set. Wu Tang is like for that. the children. Yes. Yes, they are the dirty butts. Yeah, so go check out, check them out, and uh, you'll see the entire catalog of everything they have to offer. So sweet, yeah, yeah. it's very cool. Um, so thank you um, for that, and yeah, it's awesome to have a, our, our first sponsor, which is exciting. Yes, very it is. cool, very cool. All right, let's get into the box office. Yeah, and and sticking on, I guess, sort of a Batman theme. <laughs> um, th- to me, the story of the box office this week, even though it wasn't number one, was still Joker. Um, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, number one was Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, the sequel to Maleficent. Uh, it debuted at $36.9 million, and uh, that was number one. So that was, I guess that was a, a decent opening, right? Uh, yeah, Nothing I mean, to, it fell short yeah. of its expectations, but even still, it's a Disney film. Sure. Fine. Yeah. Uh, so number two was the story for me. Joker, another light drop, 47.6%. So, so far, two weeks without, uh, two weeks with sub 50% drops for Joker. Uh, $29.2 million. As we sit here today, which is Tuesday, uh, it's at $250 million domestic. $491 million overseas for $741.3 million worldwide total. It is going to become the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. Wow. Currently, that is Deadpool with $783 million. So oh, yeah. it very well <laughs> could become be the number one movie by the end of this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. And again, that's without China. Now, Deadpool didn't open in China either. So to be fair... 
But anytime mm. a movie does these kinds of numbers without the help of China, it's an incredible success. I mean, it's, oh, a, yeah. it's an incredible success regardless. But on a $55 million budget, on I feel a like $55 million <laughs> budget. Yeah. Week. I mean, that's the also the key here. And, and the question now is for people, uh, people are already starting to ask, well, is it going to get to a billion dollars? Um, you know, because this is only week three and it's already, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars in. I think it's going to be tough without I don't, China. I don't think it's going to make it. Yeah, I don't see it having that kind of legs. Um, but it, again, it doesn't really matter, right? This yeah. movie is a its a huge hit, um, a blockbuster, and um, a really a good sign that, you know, this was a chance that they took with this movie. Oh, yeah. You know, on a lot of levels. It was a risky movie to make. It was a risky move for it to become this huge of a, of a hit. I think is a great, great thing because now it'll embolden, uh, and not just DC and Warner Brothers, but embolden creators in general, right? To just take some chances and do things that um, maybe stay true to the characters, but it can still be mm-hmm. considered a little risky. It's never a yeah. bad thing when something like this uh, happens. Plus, you know, I again, I'm still starting to talk to people that have seen it now in these coming weeks, and they all have that same reaction, like wow, this was, I liked it a lot more than I thought, and mm-hmm. it's more of a comic book film than I thought, and the Batman connections and all of that. And and I, I really just think that marketing this film away from, like, comic book movies and away from the Batman universe and, and kind of burying those aspects of the film, I think it, in a way, it, it didn't help because I think it fed into all the, the garbage criticism that we've right. talked about. <clears throat> but I think it did help in the fact that I think that those that criticism helped elevate this film. Sure. But I also think that it, it the word of mouth, you know, came out really well because people would go there and be surprised by it. Whereas I and we had spoken about it a while back, like if you emphasize the Batman esque stuff, people go into this movie expecting a Batman thing. Right. Right. And that could lead to disappointment and maybe sure. bad word of sure. mouth. But they did the opposite. They marketed it away from that stuff and they hid from that stuff. So now you go into that movie and you're like pleasantly surprised by any Batman, any, you know, references to Batman in the universe. So I I think it's almost like a psychological thing. Like, and it, I just think it clearly worked out really well. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's excellent news. And the funny thing is uh, droves of people have been flocking to the Bronx. Um. To walk up and down yes. those stairs. I actually saw that today. Someone showed me that at work. You know, true story. I almost uh, rented an apartment at the top of those stairs. To really? Left. Yeah. Oh. I know exactly where those st- those stairs are. Um, and uh, it's it's just funny. There's cosplayers up there now. Everyone's kind of mimicking, yeah. you know, the, the pose. It's taking the world by storm. Sure. Um, so and, and it's, it's just it's another. Cool. It's cool. That. Yeah, it's another sign, though, that this movie, despite, again, being marketed away from comic book films and stuff, it's played out like a comic book movie, you know, like a successful comic book movie. And totally. people are treating it as such. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. number three was another debut, Zombieland 2 Double Tap, $26.8 million. Um, it had, On a $42 million budget, it had a, a very light international opening, only like $5 million, but... Uh, not bad. No, you know, for a, a movie that uh, 
Yeah, we'll see if it picks up steam next week, huh? Yeah, I mean, people haven't been super excited about it. I've actually heard a lot of people say something that I feel about it, because I like the first Zombieland, but this is uh, one of those movies that's like, if I don't see this in theaters, I won't really be upset. Like, I'll be okay watching it at home. Right. So, I think that's probably a a general feeling here. Yeah. Yeah, and the Adams Family dropped uh, 46% to $16.3 million, so it's $57 million domestic. And in fifth place, Gemini Man, uh, a 59.6% drop, $8 million, $36 million uh, at the domestic box office on a $138 million budget. That is not going to get the job done. No, it, there was uh, an interesting analysis. I think I read it on the Hollywood Reporter that it wasn't. It's um, they were trying to break down exactly why that movie didn't do as well um as it should have, and um, <clears throat> something that I kind of fi- figured that it would be. And you know, I think it was um, if I remember correctly, the article kind of spliced apart. You know, the use of CGI and it's sometimes looking a little wonky, but the over the sort of driving factor there was actually Will Smith and that Will Smith doesn't carry the sort of celebrity that he used to. Right. Um, And they brought up the argument that, uh, well, what about Aladdin? And it was like, well, Aladdin was like one of the big was one of Disney's biggest movies in animated form. So necessarily, you can't necessarily attribute the success of Aladdin to Will Smith. Um, so I thought I thought it was fascinating because I don't necessarily think, you know, when we um, we kind of go back through, you know, uh, history and like the blockbuster actors like the Schwarzeneggers and the Stallones and things like that, and well, I think Will Smith and Tom Cruise, all those guys, used to command, um, you know, box office draw just just because. Uh, and I don't think that's the case anymore, unless your name is Keanu Reeves. Well, but the other <laughs> thing is, and, and we mentioned this, though, like these types of movies haven't really done that well for him necessarily. Right. You know, lately. Right. I mean, there was a time when they did. I mean, you know, like an I Am Legend, you know, well, I guess it depends, though, right? Because it's it's all it's all relative. Um, I mean, I Am Legend did did well, you mm-hmm. know, 500 plus million dollars and Hancock did well, but. You know, like After Earth obviously was a, a mess, and that's really right. where everything starts to change for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that is pr- pretty much the definitive other than Suicide in his Squad. career. Yeah, yeah, but Suicide Squad. I don't, I don't know if I mean everyone was like, yeah, he was, he was great, but was it really him that people cared about? No, I get it, but that's the only one. Yeah. Actually, literally the only thing that really. <clears throat> He's not in the second one, so. No. Yeah, or the sequel, whatever you're gonna call but it. But the thing is, too, like it, it only did 82 million overseas, too. So it's at 119 million, and that includes 20 million dollars in China. Fro, so on a 138 million dollar budget. And you know, here's the other thing: I'm just happened to be looking at it. I mean, anytime you see this, it's also problematic, and not that it necessarily affects box office, but it clearly will usually affects the quality of a film. Writers: Billy Ray, Jonathan Hensley, Andrew Nichol. Darren Lemke, David Benioff. Like when your list of writers is larger than the cast, that's yeah, usually a problem. That's the, the boardroom, yeah, writing style. Nah. So, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> so from uh, the box office to well, let's talk about the 
first of all, we you know the Marvel Studio stuff for a second, or Marvel TV stuff, because uh, we mentioned that you know Kevin Feige got his promotion to Chief Creative Officer of Marvel, right? So he's now right. overseeing uh, Marvel Studios, Marvel TV, Marvel Animated. That's all under one umbrella right. now, basically. And Jeff Loeb, who had been heading up Marvel TV, is now out, right? Yeah, apparently he's uh, he's leaving, uh, which I don't think is really a surprise, to be honest with you. I'm sure the um, departure is amicable in the sense of, like, there's no tears being shed for his departure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... Um, and he, you know, he was responsible for the Netflix Marvel shows and all of that. So it just seems like Feige is going to tighten up his house, um, and likely put someone else in charge. Um, that kind of jives a bit more with what his overarching vision is. So, yeah. And I mean, you know, Marvel TV really isn't even a thing anymore at this point, no. right? Cause Marvel studios has taken over production of all of like the Disney plus streaming service shows. Um, so, I mean, really, at this point, what Marvel Studios is going to be the thing, the driving force behind anything, even sure. television. Well, on Dis- at, at least point. on Disney Plus, because they still have yeah. like the Runaways. And- well, they do, but for for how much longer though? We don't know. I mean, right, that's all existing. Right. Cloak and Dagger and stuff like that is all existing yeah. stuff, and like we know, Agents of Shield is going away. The Netflix shows are gone. Um, right. We'll see how long the Runaways and those other shows, Cloak and Dagger and stuff like that, lasts. But. Um, I have a feeling once they run their course that, you know, essentially it's going to be all Marvel Studios productions. Um, yeah. I would think. Even even if it's something a little different, maybe for Hulu or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm interested to see if he plans on, you know, kind of retapping the well with some of the folks that he used or that Marvel TV used for Daredevil, right? Or Iron Fist or whatever. Um Hopefully not Iron I, Fist. Stay away from Hey, that. dude, second season wasn't that bad. I I enjoyed the second season. It did some really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but Daredevil was great. And yes. John Bernthal as Punisher. Yeah, that's the, that's the one real... That's the thing I'm saddest about. Yeah. that Because uh, that was just so perfect. The nice. casting and everything that I... I, I mean, look, I, I love Daredevil too, but I... I would love to have been able to see more of John Bernthal's Punisher. Yeah. Well, I hear they might be casting Wolverine soon. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he'd be like my number one pick for Wolverine. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think, I think he'd be awesome. I, yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, sure. I'm thinking, Not, do I really? want someone Are you little... just thinking about this now? You don't I, well, I am only because I'm, I was debating. Do I want to see... Is it something a little younger or, but no, yeah. that works for me. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the, he seems like a, like a, like a shorter person, um, short stocky, like more, more in line with what I would have envisioned. Well, that's what Wolver- pretty much Wolverine is supposed to be, right? That's and he's like, like five, that, three. That was like everybody's big muscle. issue with, um, Hugh Jackman when they first cast him. Was but that he was too they tall. They don't make five, th- <laughs> they don't no. make like five, three actors that Get like. It. You know what I mean? Well, Danny DeVito, I'm sure he would have been great. <laughs> Just, but if we're, if we're casting on pure, um, pure based on height, sure. No, John Berntel's five eleven. So, damn, oh, so he's pretty. He's not that. Not, not that the short. shortest guy he's in the world. Tall. No, yeah. 
This kind of looks looks like it. I saw some short people uh, at New York Comic Con, like those Power Rangers, man. I was shocked at how small they were. Yeah. Anyways. Now, anyway, speaking of Disney Plus, though. So Disney Plus had a big announcement. Well, I guess Verizon was the one that had the announcement that uh, if you're a Verizon customer, if you have Verizon Wireless Unlimited, uh, Fios Home Internet, or 5G Home Internet, you will be able to get the first 12 months of Disney Plus for free. Uh, and that is starting from the first month that you choose to subscribe. I think you have until June of 2020 to redeem that offer. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> awesome. for now, they're not taking signups, I think, until November 12th. But you could basically go to the, the website. Um, you can find it online and you can um, just put in your email address and they'll spam you. And then also um, give you the information eventually on what you're going to need to do to log in and verify your account. So uh, that pretty much made my day. <laughs> That's pretty uh, sweet. Because yeah, I had I'm held a, off on. Yeah, I had held off on pre-ordering Disney Plus because I was waiting really to do the bundle, the twelve ninety nine bundle with right. uh, ESPN Plus and Hulu. But now, the heck with the bundle because I don't really need ESPN Plus. It would have been a, a luxury yeah, to have. Yeah, it's free now. It would have been a luxury to have ESPN Plus, but I don't really need it. And now for the same price, actually a dollar less than what I was going to pay for that bundle, I can keep my commercial free version of Hulu and have Disney Plus at the same time. Yeah. At least for the first twelve months, and That's pretty uh, sweet. works for me, and it's it makes sense. Look, it's a way to inflate their subscriber numbers right out of the mm-hmm. gate to maybe get a jump on HBO Max and some of the other competitors. And also, like we know, look, the the research shows that like the churn rates on these free trials is like seventy five percent. Right, people just don't forget to they people very often forget to cancel their free trials and wind up getting billed at least for a month or two, sometimes even longer. So it's, it's always a good idea. I mean, 12 months is very generous. (laughs) Um, That's great. I just hope they don't, um, I'm sure this won't happen, but inflate the cost (laughs) between, uh, you know, year one and year two. I mean, it could happen, but still, I mean, they're, you know, you're still getting a free year of it. So it's pretty sweet. Yes, yeah, so I, I've pre-ordered it. I will likely cancel that pre-order now because I am a Fios customer. So bring that shit on because I'm all about that Disney Plus stuff. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And you know who isn't about the Disney Plus stuff is Netflix. So no. they had um, – you sent me that article to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. It's a soft fourth quarter. Um, and they, it, it, you know, it's funny because they're not, and they're losing, they're losing subscribers, they're hemorrhaging subscribers. Um, but you know, shows like El Camino or I'd say movies, but TV moments like El Camino reportedly, uh, you know, were, were great for them. Yeah. It did uh, 6.5 million views, I guess in its first couple of days or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's huge. It's great. Um, but you know, I think there's a big question of, on if Netflix can kind of sustain that. Um, and they are, uh, you know, they're having their backs pressed up against the wall for sure. Yeah. I think Disney plus is certainly going to shake, shake things tremendously for the company. Um, <clears throat> it's cost, the cost of it 
alone, I think, is something that they have to be really scared of. They and you know they might need to rethink their their pricing model. They definitely should, right? And that was in that article, and they were talking about that. And I mean, it, look, they were they were the kings for the longest time, and they could get away with that pricing for a while. But you know, they um, they're going to need to bring the price down. Mm-hmm. I I hear people more and more telling me that they're watching Netflix less and less, uh, and that's not a good sign. And because of so many options, I mean, you have. Amazon Prime and you have um you know uh Hulu and you have mm-hmm. now Disney Plus and you're going to have HBO Max and a lot of that My, great content Apple TV Plus Apple TV Plus a lot of that great content that used to be on Netflix is now yeah. going to be spread out to all these other services and um I mean again we you know Netflix knew this was happening but can they keep up with their own content in order to make the service worthwhile Right. And that's going to be the key. And, you know, without those Marvel shows and, and I mean, Stranger Things isn't going to go on forever. And, Mm-mm. you know, I mean, their original content is not as must see anymore. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It, it, it I mean, so you, you mentioned uh, Stranger Things, which I think as early as maybe the drop the when they dropped the first season. They mentioned it was going to be a very, very short run for the for the show, right? I think it was five seasons. So we're, we're coming up on season four. But Netflix, maybe a month ago, renegotiated something with the Duffer Brothers, the guys who direct who direct and created uh, the Stranger Things, for some something else. I don't know if it's ex- I don't know if it's extending the show per se, but there there may be some other things that they're going to be creating. So I'm interested to see what what they're going to be doing from a content creation side. The other thing is, I think in the article mentioned this, they spent <clears throat> 2019 close to $15 billion. I think that number's right. Right. On licensing content. Yeah. Which, that's great <laughs> from them. <laughs> sure. But <laughs> good luck with that because every studio at this point is going to start to pull their own their licenses back um for their shows yeah you know to to kind of you know build up their own libraries i mean that's essentially what disney just did right and and they're take they're also now competing see the other thing too is disney and hbo max and these other services and you know even like the nbc service all studio driven they're well that but they're also competing with each other and against Netflix and Hulu and Amazon for the rights to this other stuff. Like they, Disney got the rights to the Simpsons episodes. Right. Um, you know, NBC took back their rights to the office and, um, HBO max paid a lot of money for the rights to friends. And the, the, all of this was to get all of that stuff away from Netflix because they know what the popular stuff was on Netflix. And they're basically, Bidding now to pull all the popular stuff off of Netflix and have it on their service. That's a, it's going to be hard to compete with that. I mean, just to to though um, talk about the thing with the Duffer Brothers. Um, they signed a multi-year overall deal with Netflix to create films and television series. So again, like you said, yeah. it's going to be it's like a it's like a production deal, like you people have yeah. networks and whatnot to it's, just crank it's like out the, content. the bad robot thing. Yes. Basically, yeah. yeah. That's, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think uh, we'll find out soon enough. 
uh, less than a month, really, how uh, Disney Plus is the kind of first new big big dog on the block to, to shape things, shake things up a bit. Yes. You know, I, I say that, and yeah, Hulu is great, and Amazon Prime is great, but this is this is a different beast, <clears throat> I think, in my opinion. It is a very different beast. Hulu at this point, which is also now owned, the majority of it owned by Disney, but, right. you know, Hulu uh, is really ideal for people who want to watch current shows but mm-hmm. don't either want to DVR them or don't have access to those channels or whatever because it's great for that. It's great for current shows and they are going to have, they do have their own shows too and um, and they're going to have now the Orville exclusive to them which I'm, you know, that's one of my favorite shows going right now uh, starting mm-hmm. next year. Um, so they do have their own shows too but but it's really ideal for people who want to catch up with current stuff. That's what it's best suited for. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. it can still own that market because it's still nobody else is going to be competing with them for that. Right. You know, all of those current right. shows are going to still be there. It's like it's not like those are going to be moved over until the day comes when uh Disney and HBO Max and all these services are either live streaming their own networks or they are the going to be the exclusive home, you know, for the next day on-demand viewing for all right, of those right. shows, which I'm assuming that will happen at some point too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one one quick thing I wanted to mention about Disney and uh, this whole streaming thing and yeah. their influence in TV now. <clears throat> um, they fired um, Kurt Sutter recently, who is the showrunner for uh um mayans mc he was the creator of sons of anarchy yeah sons of anarchy the creator and and writer for sons of anarchy and it made me really really nervous in reading the story because it's a deadline posted a letter that he wrote uh, after his firing um and essentially he was saying that he was being pigeonholed into being a bit more pc which his shows are absolutely not in fact i think that's why i really enjoy his shows Mm -hmm. Just because of there's certainly some underlining social commentary that he's making, um, but he apparently ruffled ruffled what he said a couple of mouse ears, and so it spells a little doom and gloom from my perspective in terms of, you know, having like rated R type TV content out there, and um, not really and those kinds of shows not being heavily influenced by by Disney. Um, it sounds like that's actually happening. Um, right now, I yeah. mean, there were some other things involved in his firing, like complaints from the cast and him being kind of tough to deal with. But um, that being said, it, yeah, I mean, who it, really it, knows? it was an interesting story to read. Yeah, <clears throat> and who knows what the real deal is there? But look, there is going to be a downside to all of this, at, yeah. to a point, you know. And, and we mentioned it with the Feige stuff. You know, Kevin Feige now being in charge of, like, all things Marvel. I mean, there's a downside to that. And the downside is, you, you know, you want, well, potentially a downside. Let me say that because we don't ultimately know. But, you know, one of the potential, you know, downsides to these whole, all of these situations is that you're not going to get that sort of eclectic right. diversity and people taking chances. Um, or maybe you will. Maybe they do realize. I mean, look, these are smart people, right? So Kevin Feige's a smart guy. I'm sure he realizes that everything can't be exactly the same. But it's also hard to argue with the success of billions and billions of dollars, right? 
So mm-hmm. it, it is easy to say, no, you know what, but this is our formula and we're going to stick to it. And if we want Marvel Studios to be producing all of the, you know, superhero related shows, they're all going to have to fit into this MCU. And then that in- will basically make them all the same right. in a lot of ways because it has to feel like that and it has to look like those movies. But. We're going to see. It's going to be very interesting to see. I think Deadpool is going to give us a very good idea of how this whole thing is going to work out. Because we know that when they reintroduce the X-Men and Fantastic Four, it's going to be MCU versions of that. But what they do with Deadpool is going to, I think, be very telling. Yeah. You know, if and I, I think that will be the... Yeah, that's that's going to be the thing that lets us know whether um, whether we have to really worry a little bit or whether, you know, things will be okay sure. as far as, like, getting some different product. <clears throat> cool. So speaking of different, uh, we both saw the first episode of Watchmen. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, this. Uh, I was very, very impressed with this first episode. I did not have high hopes for this show. I am not a Damon Lindelof fan. Everyone knows that if you've been listening to this I, podcast. I think there's a whole universe of people out there who are yes, not fans. Yes, but at least from this first episode, um, I think this thing is off to a great start. Yeah, yeah. It um, It's funny, it kind of mirrored a little bit of the, the comic, the, the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It was a beautiful, beautifully shot show, compelling characters. The writing is on point. Um, some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the social themes that are being woven throughout the show are, are amazing. And I think all do a great job at sort of, sort of calling back on the original comic book. Um, so I'm excited to see what this season holds. I think a part of me is... I want, I, I, you know, I kind of almost wish this was a miniseries because it felt so good that I'm like, there's no way you can sustain that goodness <laughs> over the course of like three or four seasons. You know what I mean? So, um, but we'll see. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued. And t- to be honest, I think the opening, the opening scene, opening sort of uh, flashback to 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, was intense, yes. and I think it caught a lot of people off guard. Um, in general, and the funny thing is, I don't want to say funny. The ironic thing is, I don't think a lot of people knew that that stuff actually happened. I certainly didn't. <laughs> right. They don't teach you that shit in history. Um, but uh, it was a very, a very sort of like wake, wake the fuck up kind of. Sorry. Um. <laughs> wake, wake, uh, wake sure. up! Kind of moment for TV, and it was it was uh, well received. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I just love the fact that they have taken the the spirit of Watchmen, right, and what that book was about in the eighties, right, and they have really managed to capture that. So it, it's a fascinating thing because they they've it, it, this is a follow-up, you know, to the book, you know, mm-hmm. set in modern day. But it, it it's so, at least again, based on this episode, perfectly captured the feel and the theme of what the original Watchmen was trying to do. Whereas, you know, the original book was capturing the 
you know, Cold War paranoia and fears mm-hmm. of the time. Um, you know, this captures a lot of the fears and paranoias of our current day society. Right. So, and yeah, I mean, it, it just... It, it was just really, really good. The cast is great. Um, like you said, it looks great. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this goes because yeah. um, there's a lot of potential here. And it's um, it's nice that um, this thing will work. It, it, this is going to stand on its own, but it right. can also stand as a companion piece to the original story. Totally. And work as its own it's its own thing, right? As its own important work of fiction, if it if it holds up. Yeah. David yeah. Lindelof still has to prove to me that he can stick the landing. But, <laughs> you know, he's he's okay with the journey sometimes, but it's the landing where he usually has a problem. So. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm interested, and in, I think it's a it's a short run, right? Of the season, nothing. Um, nothing crazy. I think it's like. So, Eight episodes, maybe. I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah, which so. is good. That's our favorite number now, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Episodes. Yeah, and uh, you know, I want to see how this uh, story kind of unfolds. Um, it's nine episodes. Is it, this season. <clears throat> nine episodes? Okay. Anything stand out to you uh, that you were like scratching your head, like I need an answer to this? <clears throat> no, I'm not doing that. Because I made that mistake once before with the Damon Lindelof show, and I got bit in the ass. So, no, I'm done with the asking the question stuff. I'm just going to let the show exist. One lingering thing that kept on scratching at my head, I'm like, I hope they answer this at some point, is why why does a black couple have two white children? Um I, I was like, what is what? And I thought they were going to kind of go right into it. Like, here's here's why this is what it is. Um, (laughs) So... I'm just interested to see. Right? I mean, I Maybe. clearly noticed that, but I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I just, figured I that at some point we would get an answer for that. Some twisted reason for that. I don't know. Uh, it could just be adoption. Unless, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, as long as the ending isn't um, everybody dies eventually and we all just go to church and, and go to the afterlife with our loved ones. As long as that's not the ending to the show after all of this, then I'll be okay with whatever they give me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So let's get uh, let's get Ryan on the line here to discuss some Star Wars and, and Riddler stuff. For sure. All right. So, Ryan Haas, welcome back to the Fanboy Garage. Yo, I'm glad to be here. So we have, uh, w- before we get into the Star Wars stuff for a second, because that'll probably take us in a whole nother place, but uh, we haven't really had a chance to talk about... Uh, the fact that uh, Paul Dano was cast as the Riddler in The Batman. So um, why don't we just give our thoughts on that quickly? I mean, I'm not big on, like, talking too much about casting, but um, do we have any thoughts about it? Ryan, you're the guest, man. Let us hear. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just semi-interested slash... Relieved isn't really the right word, but... um... I'm trying to, I'm struggling for the right word. Um, I, I'm more interested that, uh, you know, that the Jonah Hill thing didn't work out so that the Paul Denno thing 
anything could happen. And apparently that is what happened. As soon as Jonah Hill mm-hmm. was like out, they, they Warner Brothers had, was ready to send out the offer right away to Paul Dano because he was next on the list because they seemed to be uh, really eager to get this movie cast and get it going. So right. that was that was cool to see. I mean, I haven't really seen Paul Dano in a lot of things, but everybody I've talked to that has seen him and stuff has told me he's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So that's cool. I mean, he just he just looks like the Riddler, and yeah. he, and I know they can. I know that his acting range is pretty wide too. So, um, and I would at this point for this kind of movie, I would rather see some actors that can be kind of chameleons in their roles instead of, you know, your giant movie stars. Yeah, it was funny the the whole Jonah Hill thing threw me for a loop because uh, it's like, oh, I definitely got to be the Riddler. I mean, not the Riddler. I'm sorry, the Penguin. Just because <laughs> I'll just say it because he's a fat guy. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he's got to be the Penguin. But uh, I don't, you know, I was struggling when I heard that he could potentially be up for the Riddler. And I'm like, I don't know how I would feel about that. Um, but having seen Paul Dano in There Will Be Blood um, and in um, Prisoners, this dude is is awesome um and i think he's perfect perfect casting for the role so i'm excited to see what he what he does because he he does i think he can do a really good job at sort of playing an unstable stable person if that makes any sense yeah those are two great movies by the way if anybody hasn't seen them um yeah Yeah, a lot of people actually haven't seen there will be blood yeah i know i know they haven't i tried to watch it once but didn't didn't make it really (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, the first five minutes where there's like nothing being said is it tells you everything you need to know about uh, Daniel Day Lewis's character. And uh, I want to see I want to see Prisoners though because I like I like Denis Villeneuve. He's a good director too. I should I should go watch that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, watch it with holy water because you're gonna feel really. <laughs> it's just a mind bender of a movie. Uh, all right. So. That's what you- Let's uh, let's talk about the Star Wars thing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. you didn't tell us what you thought. <laughs> oh, I did. Well, I, I mean, I don't. I look. I think he looks the part. Um, I like him as an actor. I, I just like the fact that they are very confidently casting this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that's always a good thing. And I also, I, I always find the casting announcements fascinating because I, I actually prefer to to look at it in terms of like what I think it means for the the direction of the film more so than like the specific cast announcement itself. Well, I, exa- that's exactly what I was kind of getting at. Yeah. Getting I at. just love more the holistically of the film itself. Yeah. I love the direction that it seems to be taking. So, um, that's what I'm happy about. Right. That's you know. cool. Uh, I'm also happy about this star Wars trailer <sighs> that hit this early this week. Um, this is the final trailer, right? Is that what they're calling this? Yeah, the the, the final. Yeah, the final. <laughs> yeah, the final trailer. And I, I just, from my perspective, I mean, this thing between the narration and just the the overall feel of like they're really letting you like know and emphasize the fact that this is the end, right? This is the right. end of the Skywalker saga. I was getting all kinds of emotional watching this trailer. The stuff with C three PO was just ripping me apart and i'm not prepared (laughs) if this is going to lead to the end of c3po i am not ready for that i'm telling everybody right now (laughs) 
Um, but man, this thing looks beautiful and there's still so much mystery around it. I, I just, I loved this trailer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Ryan, what'd you think? I mean, I don't want to see anything else. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't really spoil too much in this enough, enough to get more of a sense of the film, but not enough to feel, um, super spoiled. And I even tried to like, slyly semi jokingly predict what was going to be in the trailer and I was pretty much right. I I, I don't know. I just saw like there's going to be a lot of droids in this trailer and my gosh there was and <laughs> you got the uh and and like the C3PO thing was probably the one of the bigger biggest emotional highlights in the thing cuz and it makes you think like oh what's going to happen to him right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But they can they're going to be able to do all kinds of crazy stuff in this movie because it is the last movie of this nine film story. So they're really playing on that. You know, I was talking to Rick Shu about this before the trailer and he was like, what do you think they're going to really focus on for this? And I thought like marketing terms, it's they're going, they're taking a cue from, you know, Harry Potter, the dark Knight trilogy, mm-hmm. you know, any of these, uh, you know, the Hobbit, the Hobbit movies also did this whenever they get mm-hmm. to the end. That's, that's enough marketing push uh, in it, in and of itself, yeah. it's like it's the final one. You have to come out and see it. It's you want to see how the story ends and stuff like that. And and this is like the ending of a story that's, you know, it's, it's multi generational and everything. So they're really trying to make it obvious that it's an it's something that you know you need to get your butt in the seat in the right. theater and go see if you can find a ticket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were talking about before the show. We were talking about um if we got tickets and how that whole experience went. So did, did, did you guys get your, get your tickets? I got a, t- I got a ticket. Um, so <clears throat> I typically go through Fandango. You got a Star Wars ticket. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Call me Charlie Bucket, right? I'm going to be running through the streets yeah. now waiting for Slugworth. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I- I've been in situations on Fandango where I go to book a ticket and I'm like, damn, my, my, this row is completely blocked out. Like, what is that about? And then I go to the movies and there's nobody there. So I know that they're selling tickets in stages and or they're only allowed to sell a certain number of tickets per th- per showing. Um, so I go to Fandango and I'm like, all right, let me let me look. Um. There's no way I'm going to see this thing on a Thursday, by the way. Uh, I go on Friday. Okay, let me see what it looks like. There's a 6 o'clock show. I'm like, eh, I may not make that for work because of work. 7 o'clock, basically sold out. The only thing that's left is like the – there's like two front row seats, like very, very first row. I'm like, all right. Like, uh, I go all the way up to like 11 o'clock, and there's no, there's nothing available. I happened to jump from <laughs> Fandango to AMC, and there were more seats available, interestingly enough. Um, but so I ended up getting, and this sucks because I hate 3D, but I'm not going to not see this movie. So I'm, I've got a 10 p.m. 3D showing at, with a decent seat. So, but I was like the last, I think, I think there was maybe three other seats available in that. Um, and reports for ticket sales are ridiculous. I think it's yeah. out, what was it, 45% more than uh, Avengers Endgame in the first hour? 45% more? I didn't even think 40%. that was possible. Because I, I um, actually was, so I wound up falling asleep early last night. 
And it didn't even like <laughs> register with me. Like I'm going to have to rush to get these tickets. And all of a sudden today I'm talking to like my friend and he's like, did you get tickets? He goes, I couldn't get anything except for like 945 on like Thursday. And I'm like, Oh no, like oh, I, crap. <laughs> I'm going to avoid, I want to avoid what happened to me with Endgame, where I wound up having to like on the show in real time, I was trying right. to purchase my tickets for Endgame <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> and failing like miserably at it until I that finally got like a seat, like a half hour into the show. So I wanted to avoid that debacle. So I, I just went immediately to um, Fandango and I was just looking everywhere possible. I tried the city first that was useless because there wasn't anything other than like first row in any theater for any showing at all. And then finally in my neighborhood here, I found they had like a 6.30 p.m. show on Thursday night and a 7.30 p.m. show. And the 7.30 p.m. show barely had any seats left, but the 6.30 p.m. show still had some decent seats left. So thankfully I grabbed those and I just said, I'll, if I, if anything else comes up, I could always exchange them on Fandango, but I needed to have some guarantees that I'm going to see this movie. Yeah. And I really wanted to go Thursday because I, I really didn't even want to have to avoid any spoilers any longer than I, than I needed to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And they'll come out if any, if, if force awakens was any, and, and last Jedi was any indication, they'll come, they'll come fast with this one. Yeah. 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 What about you, Ryan? How was your experience? Well, so I had a surprisingly good experience with it. <laughs> I, I was like, um, uh, well, because we had been texting Aaron, all, you know, you, me, and Rick were texting right. during that day. So I had had it on the mind, like, okay, yeah, I should get tickets because if I don't, it's going to be kind of a screwy thing. And my plan was like, you know, just I don't care when I want to see it Thursday as soon as possible, and just get a bunch of tickets and you know. Then, then survey the damage and figure out which ones I actually want to keep <laughs> and get right, right. refunds. Um, so, I what I ended up doing was like, well, so yeah, like I think they had improved some of the things since Endgame because that was a giant. Oh, that was a mess. mess with like the digital lines and stuff like that. Right. So, but I was more like, I was, just, I just knew that there what they were going to be on sale that night, but nobody knew when, and and I. The assumption was it was going to be after this trailer, like they'll play the trailer and then tickets will be on sale or whatever. Um, so I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting and I was getting groceries and I was in the grocery store and I was like, God, and I was checking like Twitter every like every couple aisles or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, is this trailer out yet? And I was talking to Rick. I'm like, what the heck? And so I'm like, man, it's awful late. And is this trailer actually going to come out? And then, uh, and then I checked one more time. And I was like, I wonder if, if tickets are up before the trailer or something. And so I just happened to, and I checked earlier that day and there was a thing where all the show times were ready and you could click on it. And you're like, Oh man, I'm going to get tickets. And it was like, tickets aren't ready for to be sold yet. Or whatever. Right. Um, but then, but then sure enough, it was around eight o'clock or so. And I was like, I, maybe I'll check tickets again. And it was like, Oh, you're in line to buy tickets. I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> so I had to take my groceries and I ran to the corner of the, gro- of the grocery store in one of the aisles. Actually, they had like this, uh, like demo station that has like some like uh wooden benches and i just like parked all my stuff there and i <laughs> set at this like bench and i was like okay i don't care i'm in the middle of the grocery store but i gotta get these star wars tickets so i was like frantically on fandango trying to like figure out okay which theater do i want to go to which screen do i want to see because 
you know, I, I wanted to do IMAX, but there's IMAX 3D and stuff like right. that. And, um, and then they had the article about there's uh, the opening night fan event. And if you do that, that you, yeah. you get to see it at five o'clock. So that's like the earliest time you could see it, but it'd be in 2D. And uh, and then there's also the nine film uh, marathon, which I was I'm interested in. And I kept looking it up and I don't think that those are even on sale yet. I as seen far as I can all, see, yeah. like I think it might be an AMC only thing, and I don't think that those are even available yet. So if you didn't get tickets and you want to be nuts, yeah. <laughs> go let's let's get nuts that. and yeah, I think it's like a it's like a, a the prior day, like it starts on the 18th, and Jeez. then uh, and then by the time and then the five o'clock on the 19th is when the same time as the fan event is when that would play, so. Uh, I was able to get, I was trying to get to the end of the fan event at my dra- local Alamo draft house, but their app was super slow. And it said that was like 30, number 35 in line. And I was like, okay, this is awful. And then I could just, but then I went to Fandango in, and you could still select that same theater. And in the Fandango app, it let me buy a ticket right away. But then the seats were already like, you know, 80% sold out and they were right. bad seats. And I was like, okay, forget that. So at the end of the day, I was able to get pretty quickly because I guess, you know, eight o'clock was fairly soon after they started being sold. I was able to get in the same theater. Uh, I was able to get a five o'clock fan event screening in, in 2D. And then I also got a like 945 IMAX, nice. uh, IMAX screen. And I think it's IMAX 3D. So... Uh, yeah, I'm X3D. So I should be able to see it in the same theater twice on the same day. So, so that was my plan. Yeah. Fan awesome. event 2D first, and then I'm X3D right after that. Good for you. I'm wow. actually debating getting tickets for Sunday because, um, like, I know Regal, I think a lot AMC does too, but, like, Regal has these promo, like, showings. Like, if you buy tickets for, like, a Saturday showing, they they have, like, a limited edition print that you could get. If you buy tickets for yeah. like a Sunday showing, you get like a special souvenir <clears throat> ticket that's like a, a framed print and all this stuff. And yeah, they did tickets. They did. They're doing this the the ticket thing every week. You go. There's like yeah. a different ticket. Same thing they did for uh, something similar they did for like Last Jedi and Force Awakens. And I, I think if you got your tickets through Adam, like you can pay him ten bucks and they'll send you like this special yes. keepsake. Yeah, in a frame something. Yeah, yeah, That's sweet. So I'm thinking Very about that because cool. I I have a feeling I'll probably want to see it twice between yeah. Thursday and Sunday. So I might as well just buy them now. And then if I don't want to go Sunday again, I I don't have to. But yeah, that was my whole plan. I, yeah. I mean, I got the two tickets, but I'm gonna talk to Rick and I'm gonna talk to Paul Her our pal Paul Herman and be like, okay, should I see just not see it at five and see the IMAX only first, or should is it good enough? Like, should I just see it at five o'clock at the fan event in two D just because the first screening is kind of a wash anyway and you're just emotional and you're just you just want to yeah. get it over with them and see the movie as soon as possible and then you can really have fun with the second viewing. So that kind of stuff is actually pretty exciting. Yeah. It's it's fun to be as it, it's fun to be that excited to see a movie. Well that's the funny thing. I mean, you know, people were saying that uh The Last Jedi basically killed the franchise, right? Ah oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. look at look at the response to this film. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. Um, it it's I think it's the second cultural event that we've had in a year, which is phenomenal. I think uh, yeah, Avengers Endgame was certainly one of those. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, and I will tell if this if this comes close, but it seems like I think I don't know how hard the stats are, but it seems like it's outpacing those uh, or advanced ticket sales for in game. Yeah, I mean, forty five percent in the first hour. Yeah, that that's crazy. That's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that that would we. I, yeah, I can't even like I said, I can't imagine that. I didn't think we had enough seats in theaters available for that to be a thing, but apparently we can. Um. Yeah, I just think ultimately it's going to the legs on the film will determine all of that. I mean, it's already a cultural yeah. phenomenon. I mean, we don't need to. But like, you know, with The Last Jedi, you know, it, it didn't hold up, obviously, as well as Force Awakens did. So uh, that's really what's going to determine, I think, where this lands as far as that the box office goes um, is yeah. how, you know, how does it hold up? What is that word of mouth like? And right. who knows? <clears throat> I, I really don't know yeah. what people's expectations after the whole Last Jedi thing. I, I honestly don't know anymore what people's expectations are going to be for this film. I mean, it's interesting because the trailer. Well, for the first thing about the trailer that I noticed is that they're splicing and in, in cutting in scenes that could happen in the very beginning of the film, and obviously in the very end, like. So I don't I'm I was trying to piece together okay when is this actually happening and is this a linear trailer right you kind of showing me stuff in the beginning middle and end um and I'm I, I was struggling to kind of figure that out like the scene where you've got um I almost said Rilo <laughs> <laughs> um Ray and and Kylo kind of breaking some black crystal structure in the middle i'm like why would they be together what is going on there and ray's holding a dagger um wait when is this happening in the film and then he 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 goes you know no mask again and so i'm i'm trying to figure all that out and then they didn't show they didn't necessarily show the emperor right they just kind of showed the the cloak yeah Um, the voice the was so good so during that trailer That's all you needed. Yes. Yeah, I was impressed that we got new lines from him, but they, man, what a what a presence. Yeah. So you know, trying to figure out how he comes back, and what that what that's all about. Um, I'm just yeah, I'm I'm over the moon excited for for what could be. Um, so we'll see what what folks expect to happen. I mean, I think. Do we think? Do we, let, let, let's kind of go through. Do you think? Uh, Kylo redeems himself. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta ask that stupid ass no. question. <laughs> I hope to God he doesn't. To be honest with you, I that would be so stupid. Yeah, like I mean, they could do it, but I, you know, they're really gonna have to work to make that work if that's what they do. But no, like if there's there can't be some sort of crazy like he was bad the whole time, but he was good because he knew that he needed to be bad and or some kind of weird. Like I don't, double I don't think. Agent. Yeah, double agent thing. I just, I don't think so. Somebody said so. that, that bullshit a couple of years ago when, uh, when the Force Awakens came out. Like, oh, I feel like Kylo is a double agent, and he, you know, and Han Solo knew that that he needed to do, you know, he needed to die to to ensure that his son, you know, stayed like a mole. And I'm like, what are you? Wow, talking that's about, a lot dude? of work to to maintain that. Yeah. What are you talking this about? This isn't a Dumbledore and Snape kind of situation <laughs> going on. Come on. Jeez. No way. No. No way. Yeah, I really I, I really hope that he doesn't. Um, 
I, I, I'm, but that scene again with with him and and Ray together just has me super intrigued. And the background, yes, is reminiscent to some of the earlier films, like on a on a uh, starship. Well, well, you saw like the the concept art, right? Like the original concept art of the Emperor's throne, yeah, from the seventies. Oh, uh, Macquarie, yeah, yes. yeah, and that's like the concept they're using for the. And so that's clearly what it is, you know, the, and the throne that you see, and that's why I assume that's where Ray is when she sees what's probably the Emperor in some sort of, you know, contraption to keep him keep him alive. Yeah, I always wondered about that because you know the the canon does some really interesting thing where a couple of interesting things where he has like uh he has droids that um essentially embody his essence and he dispatched these droids uh in the event of his death um for something he called a contingency and if you've order 67 (laughs) if anyone's ever played uh i was like here um that that roast beef sandwich is mine um if uh, if you've ever played Battlefront, um, there is a little bit of that in in the in the game where you see is it Battlefront? Wait, uh, I'm blanking on the game. I think it's Battle. No, it has to be Battlefront. Um, the campaign mode. Um, there's a uh, yeah. there's a, a scene where you see the, the the droids kind of executing his last wishes and things like oh, that. Oh so- yeah yeah yeah, that's the Battlefront too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wonder if that's what it is, but probably not. I wouldn't be surprised. It's probably if it's completely yeah. original. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and and it's pretty clear, right? Like a lot of the um, original, some of the earlier story concepts for the Force Awakens had them going back to the Death Star ruins to retrieve some sort of artifact and stuff, and it's pretty clear that's where they are in this movie. Like yeah. a lot of it must take place probably the third act or maybe it's middle second act. I don't know. Like in you know, on the death star ruins, it's got, you know, the throne room of the death star too, right. Is where. Right. Uh, yeah. Raylo is very visible there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous shot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That whole scene, like with the water crashing in there, you know, they meet on opposite sides. Um, and Kylo kind of comes, comes out of the, out of the waves just ready to do business. I'm like, yikes, it's going to be an awesome, awesome scene. Um, and I just, you know, I think the other thing that I'm most excited about is to see, uh, force ghost Luke. I got to see that. I want to see them kind of un- like un- un- unpack all of that stuff. Um, and how she continues her training. Cause that's obviously the first scene that we get is her kind of running through the forest training, like the mask that she throws down the helmet. Um, dude, I was watching this. <laughs> I watched this trailer like eight times in slow motion. Um, has like a shielded blast blaster face. So yeah. she's obviously, you know, still practicing the way that Luke did with the, the blaster. Shield, and the how blaster. much of a presence force ghost Luke is in this will be interesting too. Yeah. You know, I mean, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill have top billing. Um, that was interesting on the, the poster Carrie Fisher top billing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's yeah, and they keep on showing the same scene of uh, of Leia, like yeah. in, in, in the hugging thing, yes. which obviously makes you know it is what it is. Probably um, the only scene. I mean, that's my assumption. Could you very think? Well be. I, I thought that they said that her presence was pretty. 
Well, they said her, her she's the so, her character is the soul of the movie or something like that, but it doesn't. I didn't interpret that as necessarily meaning that she's in the movie a lot. Like, I get the impression that the idea of Leia, you know, lays strong throughout this entire movie, and she may be a driving force for a lot of the things that happen in the motivation, but she's maybe not necessarily in that much of the film. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, she's a... That's going to be really interesting to see play out in the movie because she's a Skywalker too, right? So, like... She she's very connected to the Force and to to her brother and, and to Ray. I mean that we've mm-hmm. even seen like they all kind of feel the same stuff. So I have a feeling that with these pieces coming into place at the end of the Last Jedi, you've got uh, you know Luke has died and you've got Ray and Leia and you've got. Kylo Ren killing Snoke and where he is, I think, you know, there are a lot of things. It must be a lot of pieces. That's why at least that's what I assume they are going with is that uh, all these things coming into place is something that the emperor wanted to happen. Um, Mm. And, uh, you know, probably I'm assuming that Leia, Leia is sensing that too. And maybe she's a driving force in whatever kind of mission that this, the core heroes need to go on, which is, really appealing to me that this movie we're in the third film we're finally going to get these uh main characters actually going on a mission together yeah yeah i i have two questions and i don't want we don't have to get into specifics on it because i don't want to overthink this movie and write it in my head like before it comes out but just to throw this out there uh because it was a big deal uh when the last jedi came out do we think that this movie is going to address Ray and her parents, all that stuff, or do we think that it's just going to stick with to the Last Jedi thing of like, oh, they weren't really anybody, and that was that? I think we're absolutely going to get additional clarification on Ray and her place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, so Collider. Uh, Jedi Council kind of went through this whole idea of like her being a clone and um, I wonder if that's actually what it is um, so I think I, you know but to, but to Ryan's point I do think that we're going to get some some clarity in terms of you yeah. know, where she came from they, it, 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 it you know it, it's one of those things where I kind of wish <clears throat> It was said and done with in the first film because it, I think it distracts from um, the the thread, the, the the thicker thread of the story and the plot and all of that. This is just like a like a nice to have. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, to be honest with you. So, um, but you know, sure, if right. they need to answer, I mean, I'm I'm cool with it the way it is. But if they need to continue going further with who she is and why she is the way that she is, um, go ahead. Give it to me. So, and the other question I had was, uh, again, kind of same deal. We don't have to get too deep into specifics. Is how much, if anything, do you think? Um, how much of this movie do you think is influenced by the reaction to the Last Jedi? Do you think a lot of what's going to happen in this movie is stuff that they always maybe had intended to happen, or do you think that there's a lot of st- this movie is going to be a, a somewhat of a reaction to that movie and there's going to be a lot of stuff done specifically to I don't want to say undo things but to 
you know, uh, appease maybe some of the, the criticisms that some people had. And maybe some directions may have changed from where they may have originally been going. The only thing that I feel that I'm curious about is, um, is Rose's place in this film. She's been really played down a lot in the marketing mm-hmm. so far, and she's had like a couple of shots in the trailers and stuff, mm-hmm. but not but 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 very visibly not as much as the other characters. So, I mean, she's on the poster and stuff like that. Um, but I just kind of <laughs> wonder. I just kind of wonder how big her role is in this film, and if that was always kind of the plan, or if they just, or at the end of the day, they just didn't know what the plan was for this film anyway. And I, I, in a lot of ways, I feel like, um, Carrie Fisher passing away and, and changing the directors from Colin for Trevorrow to JJ Abrams had much more of a, an effect on the film on what this film is than, you know, fanboy reaction to the last sure. Jedi. Right. Sure. It just so happened yeah. to be coincidence that, um, you're right. I, I agree with that. It just and unfortunately, people will probably take the wrong message out of that. But yeah. um, I think I it mean, was destined was to that, change. Was it an, an, was it an EW or maybe Vanity Fair? Like had that interview with with Abrams and stuff, and he was talking about he like brought up some Last Jedi stuff. How it's mm-hmm. you know they're not just not ignoring that, but they're not ignoring the entire saga. Like they're making it its own movie, but it's but it's a direct sequel to last Jedi, but it's also like the end of nine movies. So I sure. think there's going to be, I think there was going to be some callbacks to, you know, the original trilogy and the prequels too. Like what in the hell is up with, with, with C3PO? Like we, in the one trailer, I think there's something huge going on with him in the, yeah. in the previous trailer. He's got the weird red eyes in this yeah. trailer. He's like, basically and he's in saying, the same place. Yeah. In this like trailer, he's happen. basically, yeah. In this trailer, he's basically saying whatever is about to happen to me, I'm probably going to die here or whatever. It seems like he's pretty integral to figuring something out. So, yeah, I mean, and there was like a, there was like a, a shot of him with like a, <laughs> like a bandolier and a rifle or something like that. Right. So he kind of yeah. was in full war mode. So I wonder if they're like, uh, we need all the help we can get C3PO. You ready to do this, man? <laughs> Yeah, it's actually well, easy to thing is just like you know Darth Vader made him and we're going to like undo his uh his mind wipe so we can figure out where the death star ruins and wow. stuff is or something insane yeah all uh, right yeah cuz he was he was wiped uh or was of, well well I mean well technically he was wiped at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith exactly yeah. yeah so we'll see yeah i mean it's it's um you know, going back to what you were saying about J.J. Abrams' uh, comments about The Last Jedi, I mean, he he admitted that, like, yeah, I was on board for, to make one movie and Ryan made his film and he, you know, he made certain decisions and we're not going to kind of reverse those. Um, you know, we might strengthen those or we might unpack them in a new and exciting way. So it's – I'm interested to see uh, the writing and, and how that all works Interestingly enough, stylistically, from the way the movie is shot, it feels familiar to Force Awakens. Like, I, like uh, The Last Jedi was very dark and red and yeah. black. You know what I mean? And yes. um, this has a lighter has a lighter vibe to it, even in its darker moments. Right? There's a lot of a lot of the 
you know, the, the characters are kind of clearly defined and things like that. And so the palette seems a little brighter to me. Um, did you guys pick up on any of that? I definitely did. But I mean, for I mean, what you feel, can do it in feels a trailer. more Abrams-y, but... Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that they were trying to, you know, in, in Last Jedi, there's so, there's clearly some more attempts to to break out of the mold a little bit and not yeah. make it as, um, as you know, in the mold of the earlier Star Wars movies. Like, this doesn't have the least number of, like, wipes, like, screen wipes in the whole yeah. franchise. Yeah, things like that. So I think that, you know, there's probably going to be a little bit, well, a lot more, more adherence to the the formula in this one sure. in terms of the structure, just because again, because it's the culmination of all nine movies. Yeah, man, I swear December cannot come fast enough. I am beyond excited for this. Um, and I want to see what happens to the fandom. <laughs> to be honest with you, I kind of want to sit back and just bring out my popcorn and my lemonade. I mean, I've already seen eat it. Themselves I've already alive. seen it. I've already seen it. I was I'm already, five minutes in last night on Twitter. I was already over it. You know, when I heard when I saw people saying like, "Well, is C three PO is the only person that has a any kind of emotional core in this entire trailer? All the other characters just seem like they're just there and they're not doing anything." And blah 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 blah. I'm yeah. just like, oh my god, wow, go, yeah. go away! Seriously. <laughs> Go. Don't bother it, watching the movie. Yeah. It's a trailer. It's, it's funny. Go ahead, Chris. I mean, it's a trailer. Like you it can't. Is. If you gave everybody the, uh, an opportunity to have some emotional connection and some, that would be the movie. <laughs> like you can't. I mean, you can't possibly give every character weight in a trailer. Nor would I want that. The trailer is just supposed to get me excited to watch the movie. It's not supposed to give me the plot of the film, you know, especially a and Star here's Wars the, trailer. Here's the most important part. The trailer, fanboy bros, trailer's not for you. That trailer is for the mainstream audience that and yes. to get butts in seats and get sure. tickets sold. Yeah. Like, that trailer is not for the Uber fans. Who are going it's anyway. So Who yeah. are going anyway, even yeah. if you say or not. <laughs> exactly. But it was funny. So, uh, what's his name? John, John Campia? Um, uh, he tweeted out this thing like, oh, you know, I've watched the trailer like five times and I really do like it a lot. But he's uh, like, what? yeah, yeah. Uh, no sense of what the story is. He's like, so and you, they're you're not supposed to know. Seriously. And then he's like, and why wasn't there? You want to know? Because if you did, you'd be like, because in BVS, it was like, we well, do the whole movie in the trailers. And it's seriously. true. And I didn't like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he said something along the lines of like, why wasn't there a legit shot of Palpatine or Luke? I'm like, did why? the voice, did, did oh, the voiceovers God. not do dick for you, bro? Is it not no. obvious? So you don't, you hold something back for the actual movie. This oh, is JJ Abrams. God. I'm, you know, you should be glad that we even this know is... that the Emperor's in the movie. Right. <laughs> I know. And they have yeah. a, both characters, by the way, have a very large presence in that trailer. I mean, yeah. it, some of the voices are hard for me to d- distinguish. Actually, I, I agree. I I had that same reaction too. Like, uh, like at the beginning, I'm like, is that Poe talking yeah, first? That. That's kind of an interesting choice. And then at the end, um, I even saw some like Hollywood Reporter articles just completely overlook this. That like, you know. You know, Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker is talking about the Force and the destiny of the Jedi and blah 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 blah. But I'm like, but did you miss the part where the last voice in the trailer completing the sentence is is yeah, Princess right. Leia? Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that that got me. Yes, that was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I, I don't. Oh, I'm, call me crazy. I like to sit in a movie, especially like a Star Wars movie, and I actually like to let the movie tell me the story. I don't want to go there. How many times are we gonna have to go down? I need this road to know of, the story. I need to. Yeah. I need to know what the story is with the trailers beforehand, so I can prejudge I it and then prejudge it while I'm watching them. Yes. <laughs> like, do I really uh, need? I've been watching Star Wars movies for you know my entire life do i need to know the story before i go into it like it's not like some new property like that they're trying to get off the ground right. and market and i'm you know give me a little bit what so you, i know if i want to go it's the classic need, good versus evil well yeah you know what star wars is yeah like, come on guys yeah and if what you know what you need to know what you, when you go in the opening crawl will tell you <laughs> that that's too. what that's for so yes true. yeah Yes, like, here's everything that's happened while we... And that's part of the fun, too, right? How exciting is that always to read that opening crawl to kind of Open figure out... It's even, man. It's as soon as the Lucasfilm well, that logo too, comes but, up yeah. with the shine, everyone flips out. But that opening yeah, crawl to to let you know, like, where we are and what we've missed, like, that's just awesome stuff. I, I, don't, I guess, I don't know. I, I People are going to complain about whatever, but I don't know. I'm just going to go and see it with a gazillion other people and hopefully love it. Um, yeah. And hopefully keep my composure, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. which I, I'm starting to doubt that that's going to be a possibility. Um, but uh, mm. I, yeah, I, I want this thing to just rock my world. I mean, this is, this is a the culmination of a lot of things for me. I mean, you know, I'm a star Wars baby, almost so like for me this is like this is a lifetime <laughs> that's uh right. that's coming to a close at least for as far as this chapter goes um and and hopefully what comes and i'm not talking about like the stuff like the mandalorian but i'm talking about whatever new movies we do wind up getting hopefully um you know they they break some new ground and and create a you know a new generation of star wars fans with all of that stuff too but Let's let's end this thing on a high note. That'd be great. Yeah, the one thing I don't want to see is uh, speaking of the the sort of tangential shows that are going to be coming out. I don't want to see any holes left in this film to be answered in TV form. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't well, want. Okay, see... I think it's going to be like, like, like Resident Evil, like the Resident Evil movie franchise, where it where this story was going to end, but then you know. More stuff can happen later. Like every character, I don't think every char- single character can have like a complete arc, beginning to end arc or whatever. Right. Um, but you know, it can be. I, I expect it to be sort of like, uh, you know, like the last not last Jedi, but the Return of the Jedi, where you know everything's resolved, things right. have been put in place, but this story is over kind of kind of deal gotcha right but but maybe with even an additional <laughs> within all that but with maybe an additional bow on top because this is the end of the nine hmm. yeah i agree i i fully expect based on what jj did with the force awakens and how aware he was of the nostalgia and kind of wrapping people up in that blanket um the fan I, service yeah i can and and i had no problem with any of that by the way but i mm-hmm. could imagine that he's gonna i would think he's gonna do the same thing with this in the other direction you know like as we're that was a reintroduction and a, a familiarity thing now we're kind of going away I, I would expect him to rely heavily on that although it's nice that the the trailers haven't relied heavily on that 
um, to a mm-hmm. point. I mean, they have in some ways, but um, I can't imagine we're not going to have a lot of that nostalgia in this movie. Right. I mean, freaking Lando. Lando. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, didn't you love that shot? Like, oh. everybody's surrounded surrounding Lando. And he, yeah, he you must, must be, like, like super respected. Yeah. You know? That, that's like, yeah. He's just sitting there telling stories about him and him and Han. Or Han. Like, when oh, I was with Han, I looked gonna, like Donald Glover. That's going to destroy <laughs> me. You know what? I just realized that. That's gonna. Oh, I'm gonna be. A mess, oh, you just figured that out? Um, no, I mean, didn't just. <laughs> yeah, just. I'm trying. I'm. I've tried not to think too much about it, but like, I'm gonna be a disaster during this movie. Yeah, I really am. Oh, some good stuff. Oh man, some good, good stuff. All right. But, uh, all right, guys. Yeah. So it's so. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up, Ryan. You want to do some plugs before we get out of here? Plugs, 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 plugs. Well, of course, uh, your listeners should know to to follow me on Twitter at smb underscore ryan and uh, of course i am i am the host of the batman on film podcast which uh we have a little twitter account that's kind of for just that of course batman on film is at batman on film but for the vof podcast you can go to Batpod network that's kind of got all the shows but uh but you know all the bof podcast stuff gets uh gets put on there and uh the last two episodes of our show or three I'll plug the last three episodes of our show. 155 is our big uh, New York Comic Con 2019 wrap-up. And 156 and 157 is our two-part spoiler special roundtable on Joker. So check those out. Batman on Film Podcast. Do it. All right. Well, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for uh, coming on. And, of course, you're always welcome on the show. And uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty more. Plenty more Star Wars stuff to talk about um, in the next few months. So, Yeah. And, you know, I like Batman more than Star Wars. So <laughs> whenever. <you> <laughs> you well, know, it's, a good thing, it's a good thing there might be some Batman news, too. Oh, my gosh. I hope yeah. I, I, you know, it's getting, it's ramping up. It's ramping up like crazy, and I'm excited about that movie. Yeah, me too. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks cool. again for coming on. And, no problem. Uh, we'll have you again on soon. All right. All right. Talk soon. Bye. All right. So let's get our plugs here out of the way. So of course, uh, we want you to join the conversation, um, and of course, we also want you to go to the fanboygarage dot com. Check out the episodes. Check out the merch store. You can send us an email if you'd like, and uh, of course, join the conversation on social media. You can find us on Twitter at the Fanboy Garage. You can find us on Instagram also at the Fanboy Garage. And of course, we have a Fanboy Garage Facebook page as well. And you can find me on Twitter at RealCLMighty. And you can find me on Twitter at Starting Sith. Please, if you do like what you're hearing, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it goes a long way. So thank you uh, for listening. And, um, you know, certainly, as Chris mentioned, uh, engage with us. If you like what we have to say, you don't like what we have to say, you've got an opposing opinion, uh, we always love debates. So get at us on all of those social channels that we just listed. Um, and we'll catch you guys on the next one. Sure. Thanks and so much. Don't forget, too, to visit our sponsor, Della Pelli Supernaturals. You can get your Batman soap bars. Um, Tell them you heard about them on the Fanboy Garage and you'll get a special gift 
with your purchase of Batman Symbol Soap Bars. You can find them at on Etsy at Super DP Supernaturals and on Instagram at SupernaturalNJP. Sweet. All right. Take care, guys. 